0: Welcome to the For the Church podcast, another great gospel-centered resource from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. My name is Jared Wilson, and today we're pleased to be speaking with Charles Smith, Vice President for Institutional Relations here at Midwestern Seminary. Uh, Charles oversees multiple departments at the institution, including admissions, communications, student life and events, and church partnership. And previously, he was a director of development and alumni relations at Southern Seminary, and he's currently pursuing his doctorate with an emphasis. In leadership. And that's what we're talking about today. Leadership. Hmm. Charles, thanks for coming on the podcast. Well, it's awesome to be here. Thanks for having me. Why don't you, um, before we get into the subject of leadership, um, sort of describe your role, your leadership role here at the hmm. school and flesh out a little bit more what's involved with vice president for institutional relations.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, man, thanks for having me on here. And it's fun to, it's fun to talk about this particular topic because... Um, me and you have actually talked about this topic over the past right. couple of years of just kind of sparring over, hey uh – Pragmatism's one thing, but let's not throw the, the leadership baby out with the bathwater. Right. We, we can talk about all that later, but it's especially fun to talk with you on this particular topic. But yeah, so I've served here under Dr. Jason Allen for the past coming up on six years this fall as the Vice President for Institutional Advancement. At first uh, for the first two years, and now Institutional Relations. Uh, and so we have three divisions at the school. One of them is uh, the academic division. One is the administrative division, and one is institutional relations. So that's that's us, And so we oversee anything from student life to enrollment management to fundraising to alumni to marketing, uh, the For the Church initiative, those conferences and regional conferences and all that. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun, and yeah. uh, we're having a blast.
0: What do you enjoy, enjoy most about
1: the role? Yeah, so I, I like a lot of things. One one of the things that's unique about overseeing uh, six really unique offices is that there's never uh, the same day twice, right. Right? right? So there's always something new happening. There's a new conference coming up. There's a new uh, term starting that we're trying to get more and more uh, qualified students for. And so every week, literally every week looks different. And so that's, that's a lot of fun. I also love – we just have a growing staff, so I love investing in people. I, I love – uh, I don't know if you would call this leadership or not, but I, I love investing in folks and seeing them do things they thought they couldn't do yeah. and grow over time and and thrive within their gifts. That's really fun to me. So, so yeah, those are parts of the job that are exhilarating. No, that's awesome.
0: Well, let's talk about leadership, um, a subject that you've thought a lot about um, studying, teaching on um, a subject near and dear to your heart. Why don't you begin by sort of giving us a good definition of it, because I think um, a lot of the, the sparring, as you mentioned, and, and even um, just the way people think about it yeah. is usually colored by um, sort of a prepackaged or a, a presumptive view of what it even is. Yeah. So even just for the benefit for sure. of our listeners, let's narrow down and and you describe what's entailed in leadership.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And we've talked about this even as a staff is trying to kind of redefine leadership because, I come at this from the conviction that um, leadership may be the second most important thing about you as a Christian, which is a really, really big statement. What you think about leadership could be the second most important thing about you. I say that because it's intentionally provocative. But the first thing, what you think about Christ. But then second, if you define leadership correctly, uh, and and just to let the cat out of the bag, I define leadership as taking initiative, and initiative is kind of the operative word, but taking initiative for the glory of God and the good of others. Okay, so if we define leadership that way, man, that ought to have massive implications for how we live our lives. I mean, kind of everything that we're called to do, all the imperatives in Scripture are really taking initiative for the glory of God and the good of others. So that breaks down at some point. But if we start there, uh, start in defining this term, that has ripple effects throughout this entire conversation. Every book we read starts with a preposition. Uh, starts with an assumption of what leadership is, and usually when you read leadership books, usually they are divided into two uh, camps. So the first camp, and this would be John Maxwell and Peter Drucker, and by the way, most of the people that are leading today are being influenced by these types of men, and these are yeah. these are good guys uh, that are that are well intentioned and and are even backed by secular psychologists that would define leadership way, and they define it. Via influence. So John Maxwell has famously said leadership is influence. Uh, Peter Drucker said the only definition of leader is someone who has followers. Okay. Okay. John Maxwell also said uh, if you think you're leading and you turn around and no one's behind you, you're just out for a walk. Right. So there's these kind of sarcastic, jabby ways of getting at uh, leaders are really defined by. Uh Uh, and marked by the loyalty and the size of their followers, which if you think about biblically, let alone logically, that breaks down really, really quick. Yeah. Let me explain how that works. So leadership as opposed to management. So when you study leadership and management, they're, they're pretty wildly different. And some of the challenges in this conversation is because we get those two things confused. Leadership is defined by change leaders are trying to take people or ideas or processes or systems from A to B. Okay, And they're at A for a reason. They're at the status quo for a reason. Your church does the things it's currently doing for a reason because it's comfortable. They know how to do them. Uh, they're producing a certain benefit that's desired. And leaders come in and say, w- for whatever reason, whether it's we, I feel led by God or perhaps a a wrong reason, but we want to move to B. And if your very identity as a leadership is defined by whether or not they follow you and how many they follow you and how they feel when they follow you, you're really not leading them at all. You're following them. You're you're following the pack, right? So the leader very quickly, unwittingly becomes the follower. And we even see this, I mean, we see this in politics all the time where we're driven by uh, polls, well, that's not leadership. We're really just defining, hey, how many people would go along with me if I do this? <laughs> right. Okay, we'll do that. Well, that's not conviction. Uh, and and technically, it's not even leadership. And uh, so that doesn't mean leaders exclusively do hard things. It doesn't mean they don't care about the followers. It just means we shouldn't define our leadership right. by how much people like us. Like we leadership
0: should, for leadership's sake. That's right. yeah. That's yeah. exactly
1: right. And okay. you can see why um, – That particular definition has pervasive effects on the church. I mean, you've written helpfully and extensively in pragmatism. Well, just think on that, Uh, listeners, and and we don't have the time to do it today, but think about how defining our identity as a pastor, as a leader guy in this this way, leadership is influenced, how that would affect uh, our our desire to do pragmatic things within the church. Well, we're not... The extent to which we have less people in the church is the extent to which my leadership is diminished, and that's a that's a really dangerous place to go uh, when we're called biblically to say really challenging things, really hard things to speak truth um, that that's a that's a difficult camp so that's one camp so the yeah. first camp is leadership is defined and marked by influence. The second camp, and this isn't a Jesus juke, this isn't a bunch (laughs) of Christian guys got together and said, what if we redefine this? This is actually uh, very secular, uh, right? So there, there are a lot of textbooks that are being read at MIT right now that would define leadership this way. And this is, what I would believe. Uh, and that's initiative. So we said, I define leadership taking initiative for the glory of God and the good of others. And initiative is that operative word. So instead of influence, we think about initiative and leaders are those that uh, are marked and defined by um, their ability to act first and step out, especially when it's uh, benevolent action uh, and something that could be costly. So when we look through scripture, there there's, Constant. Account. Think of Hebrews eleven, the Hall of Faith. Like yeah. when you go through and read that carefully, it's this person did this by faith. The next word is is an act, and I would say it's they led. Yeah. You know, Abraham led in this way, and, and you can go down the line. Uh, that's initiative, and uh, so that would that would be a second count. So just to give you a couple uh, a couple uh, definitions here that are helpful, and these would be, by the way. Uh, If you did a Ph.D. in leadership, these would be some of the top two theorists that you're reading on any secular camp in the United States. Just to dispel any notions that this is kind of a Jesus juke, Uh, James Burns, who's got a 500 page leadership textbook, would say leadership begins when one person takes initiative or one or more persons engage. Uh, Bernard Bass uh, with a similar platform says, leaders are agents of change, persons whose acts affect other people more than other people's acts affect them. So think about that in contrast to leadership as influence, where it's really, we're kind of following the followers. This is much more, they, they don't mention followers at all. It's, and this goes back to leadership compared to management is about change not about stability. And if that's true, then leaders uh, who take initiative are those that take this first step. Um, and so, yeah, so we, we started with the question of how do we define Christian leadership? Yeah. It's a massive question. I would argue if we had time that the building that's burning down around us from a leadership perspective all stems from a faulty definition of leadership.
0: Yeah. So what I like about it um, it's something that also, like, I wonder about it, which is it almost democratizes where anyone can be a leader, whereas in the, previous, in the previous definite or in the other camp definition, only those who are able to attract a following or exert influence or what have you. Um, but at the same time, if everyone's a leader, does that mean that, that nobody – I mean, how do we That's the avoid – yeah. I mean, how do we make it a specialty discipline or um, maybe specialty is not the right word, but how do we make it distinct? Without it being well, now it's it's watered down to where anyone who takes initiative is effective leader. Or maybe that's the point. I'm not. Well, yeah, that's a really good question, and and I don't know that we have that. That's
1: almost like a philosophical question, right? But <laughs> okay. um, but I don't think it has to be like who rigged the game where only certain people can be leaders. Now there's a yeah. logical objection there where you go, well, if le- but this goes back to the definitions. If leadership is defined. By having a platform and followers, then logically speaking, only certain people can do that, right? Because right. not everybody can do that. But it's leadership is defined by mutual initiation, benevolence, love, being the first to repent, being the first to forgive, being mm-hmm. the first to go to an unreached people group uh, by faith. And it sounds like we're all called to do that, Christians, and, and to jump one foot deeper into the pool— from a from an ecclesiological perspective the church is the leader the yeah. church is salt and light the people are to go out and and to uh, engage and take initiative to the world around us right so that's where the logical side of this conversation, that's where that even makes a little bit more sense. To your question, is there is one church, uh, capital C church, and there is one world, capital W world, uh, and the church is called to take an issue for the good of those people and for the glory of
0: God, right? Oh, that's good. And it's it's I think also helpful to remember that the distinction um, that there is such a thing as positionally or or officially leaders, right? So within the church. Yeah. Um not everyone is a quote unquote leader in the sense of holding the office of elder or, uh, or so what good. have you. Yeah. Or even just in the workplace, right? I mean we're all leaders, right? But that's you right. know, there there's hierarchy, there's structure in order to effectively um, yeah. carry out the aims of a school or uh you know, place of business and that yeah. thing. Would you say though that there are particular people, individuals who may have what we may call a gift of leadership or a greater propensity towards um, this thing that we should all be exercising? Or, I mean, yeah. How
1: would you, yeah, that's a really good question. Describe that. So when you look in Scripture, I would say Christ is calling us, uh, think Philippians 2, to have a general disposition of uh, leadership, a general position or disposition to act on behalf of others, to act sacrificially, selflessly, to, to pursue the best uh, for our neighbors, um, and so I would say that's, that's clear throughout both the Old and New Testament. That That's what the people of God ought to be about, right? Uh, but you, we can't ignore the fact when we look in the New Testament and we look at just in the Greek, there, there are multiple ways leadership is talked about. There's 10 different words in in the original languages just in the New Testament of what leadership is. Uh, and they really fall into three categories that we, we talk about a lot. One is spiritual gifts. So think of Paul in Romans 5, those that lead, lead with zeal. Yeah. That Greek word has more to do with administration. If you look at okay. certain interpretations of that, they will even say those that administrate or those that have to give of, of administration. But this has more um, more implications for management, those that – it literally means to stand before an order. So that those that, that can organize and manage the church and think finances uh, – systems, policies, those sort of things, but more the gift of administration. The The New Testament also talks about leadership um, in the context of marriage. Husbands lead your wives as Christ led the church, like uh, we're complementarians. And so we believe that husbands have a unique call to love their wife as Christ loved the church. So that's kind of a second way we, we talk about it a bunch. Uh, the third way, though, would be this ecclesial office, the office of pastor. Pastors right. are called to lead, right? And so we would say um, that's teaching, that's shepherding, guarding, care. Like th- There's a lot of ways you can look on that depending on how you define an elder. But those are kind of three ways. What I'm saying is beneath all of those explicit um, – ways leadership fleshes itself out, yeah. undergirding that. The frame, the smell, the disposition of that is what I would call leadership as Christian identity. So as a pastor, as a husband, as one with the gift of, of spiritual uh, or, or, gift, or the spiritual gift of leadership, I should say, you should all be taking initiative for the glory of God and the good of others. And a marriage may look like um, repenting to your wife. Doing that as a pastor may look like preaching uh, a hard text or engaging a member uh, in church discipline. That's taking initiative, right? That's a really hard thing. You're taking the first step. Or maybe it's apologizing to a church member for not loving them well. That's taking initiative. That's leadership. Leaders don't do those sort of things. Or excuse me, people that aren't leaders don't don't do those things. Uh, and then the gift of spiritual leadership, if you're organizing something within the church, I mean, think about the godly uh, men and women in our churches that are organizing and serving and and leading in those ways. Again, don't hear me say um, in a pastoral role in this sense, but maybe leading a youth ministry or, or something like that. Uh, they're taking initiative, and they're doing it for the glory of God and the good of the, the people in that group. So uh, those are kind of the three ways we should think about it biblically. But what I'm saying is there's this fourth category, leadership as Christian identity, that's so pervasive throughout both the Old and New Testament. Uh, it's, again, a smell, a disposition. It encompasses a lot. the second most important thing about us, almost everything we do. And it expresses itself in uh, church offices, like the office of pastor, it expresses itself as a, uh, as a husband to his wife. And by the way, I would also say a wife to the husband. Yeah. Uh, the wife is called to take an initiative to her husband. Maybe we're, we're both called to mutually engage each other, to, to outdo one another in hospitality, like yeah. that, that sort of disposition. So that's why it's easy to say, back to your initial question, Brother, we're all called to this. Like this, this, is, this, is, um, this is not a privilege of the few and the gifted. This is the call of the many. All, the, all that call Jesus
0: Lord are called to take initiative for the glory of the God and good of others. That's good. All right. Let's take a break now and hear from our hosts at Midwestern Seminary. The Midwestern Seminary's Doctor of Ministry degree program is your next step in training for local ministry. The Doctor of Ministry program at Midwestern Seminary is designed to equip and train leaders— with a commitment to the local church. With multiple emphases available, including counseling, church revitalization, expository preaching, leadership, and missions, among others, your program provides the equipping you need in practical theology for direct church work and ministry leadership. And because all of our doctoral programs are modular, you don't have to leave your current ministry to pursue your degree. For more information, visit mbts.edu today. That's mbts.edu. Okay, we're back. We're speaking with Charles Smith of Midwestern Seminary about leadership. So earlier you alluded to, or actually we both alluded to, um, the aversion of some to this whole concept of leadership, in particular um, culturally within the church. What would you say, first of all, um, either to affirm that aversion, but also to kind of caution against it or as you said, you know, throwing out the leadership baby with the bathwater. Mm. Um, what would you say to someone who's like, you know, this leadership stuff is not in the Bible. It's just ridiculous. It's all the pragmatic church growth movement stuff, the professionalization of Christianity, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. What would you say to them other than, you know, stop being an idiot and <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I didn't say that. You I know. said that. Well you I'll say that. That. okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well I would say there's suspicion for good reason. I mean Stevie Wonder could look out on evangelicalism at large and just the broader culture and go man we have a we have a broken leadership dynamic yeah. i mean it, it is um it would be funny if it weren't so sad but I mean by the week we're seeing prominent leaders fall uh those that haven't fallen we we shake our heads uh, in dismay at some of the decisions they make uh how it how self centered they at least appear to be and if not self-centered, often just spineless, and this goes back to the definition of influence that, that they're going to make the decision that's most popular, not best or right. So I I I get it. I totally get it. Um, I mean, you, you look out again just within our own tribe, uh, there's a lot of pragmatism going on. As I mentioned, there's a lot of uh, leader centricity, you know, how does this help me, how does this help my platform, how, how does this all somehow roll up to my benefit? Yeah. Uh, And then I'd also say there's something more subtle going on, which is good guys have legitimate questions about leadership. There there are thousands of guys listening to this podcast that are running a church, which implies they do have to organize people. They have to lead people. They're they're wanting to have a cohesive and gospel-centered vision. And so what does that look like? Um, how, how do I engage my staff? How do I encourage them? how do I, How do I lead and also be gentle i mean these are These are massive questions that by the way, if you look at a lot of churches that split or have massive issues, a lot of times we put a theological bumper sticker on them that oh that that was really uh, i didn 't like the way the guy did evangelism or he wasn 't a good preacher a lot of times it 's a leadership deal. The guy tried to do something way too fast. Uh, he tried to move the church from elders to deacons or from deacons to elders or to remove the flags in the sanctuary or change right. the, you know, pulpits to chairs, whatever it is. We laugh about these things, but often they're just kind of basic leadership principles of, yeah. hey, you should have loved them forever, but a lot longer and got to know them and then right. you before you tried to make those decisions. Well, I'd say those are, a lot of those things are leadership lessons that Scripture obviously talks to. Scripture sufficient and yet we ought not be scared of all, you know, all truth is God's truth. We ought not be scared of secular voices or maybe not explicitly uh, Christian voices that are giving us some insights into just human nature. Hey, this is how people work. This is how right. they relate. This is how they're going to hear this. I mean, uh, why should we be scared of that? And, but because of that, I think a lot of uh, well-intentioned, Books have been written in the evangelical space about leadership that really strains scripture. So, our generation uh, kind of goes to it and rightly goes, "This smells funny." This, like, I don't think you're treating the text rightly. That's I right. don't don't think actually leadership is in that that chapter of the Bible. And I think oftentimes we're right, but those guys, I, I think it all starts with we're not allowed to to. to Uh, access and benefit from secular voices. uh, Because as you pointed out in the past, I don't think leadership as most people think about it, organizing people, uh, growing things, building things, change, all this is the central focus of scripture. And so you do have to do some gymnastics from a scriptural perspective to get to that if you think it is. If you redefine it, as taking initiative for the glory of God and the good of others, then it unlocks a world of meaning through Scripture, and you don't have to bend the text uh, to see it there. So, so those are some things I'd say. My caution would be, and this is why I'm doing a PhD in leadership, this is why I care about it, uh, is because we can throw the leadership baby out with the bathwater. Man, I am I am convinced that if we're not careful, we are going to unwittingly soften a generation of would be leaders, uh, because we've so we've so changed and distorted and villainized the word that we're we're left with young men and women uh, that are trying to lead in areas. Think about young men in the church that they can just look and go, leadership is what's needed. Obviously, God is what's needed. The God, let's assume all that, yeah. but we need somebody to to faithfully lead in this context and yet I'm hearing from my heroes that that's always bad. And so I'm I just walk up in the pulpit every Sunday and preach a good message and that's that's great and primary and good and that's what we're called to do. Leadership or or being a pastor is never less than that, but it's often a lot more than that, especially as the church gets bigger and we want to do things uh, at scale. So that's where I just want to caution us to let's just not throw away the word leadership. Uh, Let's just redefine it.
0: Yeah, I think you know some of the extremes. um, You know, one of the sort of eye-opening realities for me, just in the in the midst of pastoral ministry, was seeing that the extremes on either side really come from a place of of comfort or mm-hmm. privilege, which yeah. is to say, those who are pitching leadership as um, pure strategy, formulaic, pragmatic, what yeah. have you, um, don't seem to interact too much with with people and how they don't seem to fit the script. Yeah, and those who are throwing out, oh, you don't, you don't need that, you don't need those strategies, almost are in the same position. Yeah, where you know they're not the guy, you know, the pastor sitting at his desk trying to figure out, okay, yeah. I got to move the congregation. Through this bylaws process or whatever it is, and I know I'm gospel centered, but yeah. what's the gospel centered strategy to <laughs> revising the bylaws? That's right, right? that's right. And and you got people say, no, yeah. you know, you don't need all that stuff. Yeah. So somewhere in the middle is this sense of, all right, leadership according to the scriptures, shaped by the gospel, doesn't involve throwing out the idea of strategy or processes or organization or structure. But has you know incorporated in it the pastoral sensibility to to understand human nature, uh, to be flexible and discerning, mm. um, and that's why I think the newer kind of brand, if we can call it that, or the newer school of leadership, mm. um, really is a is a good recovery yeah. uh, of the biblical yeah. um, uh, you know sensibility that that's there. So who who would you say is doing this well? Like who do you? Um, I mean, if you were going to point our our listeners to a few key authors and then kind of like what they represent in the, in the leadership movement or, or, you know, studies. Yeah. um, Who would
1: you recommend? Yeah. Yeah. So let me put them into two camps. Sure. One is we're kind of talking about two different things. Most guys that clicked on this podcast because they saw the word leadership uh, are not thinking about the creation mandate to, to populate and fulfill the earth and, and (laughs) some of the things Andy Crouch and others are writing about, uh, they 're thinking about man how do i how do I organize and grow and manage and and so from that perspective, there are some really good gospel centered voices so let me talk about that itch okay. uh, so from that itch, I would mention um, Crawford Lorette's leadership is identity so he 's going to actually kind of do both so uh, he 's going to talk about the identity of Christians being rooted in mm-hmm. uh, this idea of initiation. Uh, Kevin Peck and Eric Geiger. I have this is I teach leadership here at the seminary. Uh, that's that's the first book you're going to read in that class. Uh, it's Kevin Peck and Eric Geiger's "Designed to Lead." So they spend the first two chapters really. Defending everything we've said for the past thirty minutes—that man, this is central to the church's task—is uh, leading and raising up more leaders, and so they do a really good job doing that from a from a biblical perspective. Uh, Peter Scizero, you've probably read some of his stuff, but the emotionally healthy leader, I think, does a really good job of pulling the pragmatic. Uh, I hate to make. John Maxwell, the, the whipping boy <laughs> here, because I actually think he's Brilliant. really sorry, Dr. Yeah, Maxwell. Yeah, yeah. And Dr. Maxwell, we know you're not listening, but uh, I actually make staff members read your book. So a lot of it's really good. Uh, where he ultimately gets to can be really good. It's just problematic foundationally sometimes. Uh, Peter Scazzero, The Emotionally Healthy Leader, is a great book that, that helps us move from kind of this Maxwellian uh, pragmatism, not to a... Uh, Reluctance to lead, but kind of in this middle position of, hey, this is a good gift of God. This is what it looks like. But we want to do it from a gospel-centered perspective. The other side of the, the conversation that I've been talking about, which I think we must talk about first, that unlocks this world of everyone as a leader. Uh, are guys like Andy Crouch. Uh, so Andy Crouch wrote a book called Culture Making, uh, another book called Playing God, which both of those uh, acknowledge that all of us as people that are made in the image of God are creators. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would say you could almost exchange that word for leaders, where people that are called to go out and, and uh take chaos and make it orderly, to to take initiative, to do things, to build. uh, And I would say all that stuff's not just for building's sake. It's for the glory of God and the good of others. So that looks a a lot like our definition. So that's a healthy book. Uh, John Mark Comer's Garden City uh, is one I'm recently reading. So there's some things I disagree with in that book. But I think just this disposition of – Hey, this is not your pastor's job. This is not Mark Zuckerberg's job. Yeah. This is not Jared Wilson's job. This is our job to go out and take initiative for the glory of God and the good of others. This is not only something we do. It's, it's who we are, rightly understood. And so he does a really good job with that. And finally, uh, from a biblical theology perspective, I think one of the best books on this topic— there's really not a biblical theology of, of leadership out there, mm-hmm. which is amazing. But you think about IVP's series uh, of biblical theologies. Timothy Laniak wrote one called Shepherds After My Own Heart where he builds a biblical theology of leadership from the Old Testament to the New. Okay. Uh, a lot of that is going to apply strictly to pastors and elders. He's kind of tracing that theme. Yeah. Uh, but he starts with God himself. What does the creation account have to do with how God leads? And then you know, we go through Abraham and Moses and uh, all throughout the old, old and New Testament. And so that's a healthy book. If you want to kind of dispel this notion that leadership is extra biblical, Timothy Laniac's a real good person to look at and go, no, this is a pervasive theme throughout Scripture and one that I think we've only uh,
0: touched the tip of the iceberg. Excellent. So what are you working on that you, um Assuming you have a dissertation or a thesis as part of your yeah. doctoral work, is there a particular emphasis in leadership that you're, you're Yeah, studying? so actually I
1: started with all this. I, I wanted My first dissertation topic was Leadership as Christian Identity. Okay. And uh, I'd love for that to, to uh, be a book or something one day, but it's not going to be the dissertation. So the dissertation right now is dealing with the fact that leadership is really scary. Uh, when okay. we tell people to lead – And by the way, when we tell people to follow us as leaders, we're asking them to jump into darkness. You don't Mm -hmm. know what the future is going to look like. This is scary. When we ask people to follow us, we're kind of saying, I need you to jump off a cliff. That's a famous uh, West Wing (laughs) quote that I love. And it's just it gets at the heart of leadership. And so I'm dealing with how do we overcome that fear? Do we overcome that fear by compensating people more for risk pay? Do we overcome that fear By becoming really good friends with them? Do we overcome that fear by being a really competent leader? That's how the world gets at that. And I would say within the church, we have the gospel. And the gospel tells tells us that we have a good father and we're his children. And he promises to protect and provide and care for us. Don't hear prosperity gospel, Jared Wilson. (laughs) I'm not hearing Uh, (laughs) it. But if that's true, and I believe it is that that he has irreversibly and eternally called us and will keep us, then I think that ought to radically shift how we lead and how we follow, whether we take that first pastorate despite we are riddled with fear of what may happen or whether we go on the mission field despite what we think may happen of our eventual career and our children or whatever it is. Maybe it's preaching your first sermon, the clammy hands. Yeah. I would say your confidence shouldn't. Uh, calm your nerves. It ought to be the gospel itself that says, okay. "Hey, man, I'm with you." Uh, so, so that's what I'm going to be working on. I'm rounding third on that, and hope to graduate in about a year. Or so, awesome.
0: Where's all this going? What's the future of leadership? Are are there certain challenges you see ahead, or cultural shifts that would impact this particular discipline or study? Yeah.
1: So, I th- I think man is always going to be man. And so I think there's always going to be a need to, uh, to govern and quelch the insatiable drive to, to, to conquer and to manipulate and to lead in really unhealthy ways. I think that will always be there. But I think even beneath that drive is a drive to belong. And from that perspective, I think culture is driving um, the acceptability of leading like that um, down. And okay. so I think the natural – current is that people are going to want to lead less and less mm. because it's not Vogue. I mean, think about the, how um, how repugnant it is to us at a, you know, hanging out with colleagues and one of them says, man, I, I really want to be the you know, the next governor of Missouri. Like, it, it's just like, you're not allowed to want that. Right. When was the last time I heard a politician say they want to be president? It's yeah. it's culturally not something that we're we're given permission to do. And so I think for all these reasons, you, you, we're actually going to be in a position to push people to leadership. Say, no, 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 no. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. We're yeah. actually... It's worse than you thought. <laughs> we're we're all called to lead, but it doesn't look like that. It looks like Jesus. It looks like washing feet, mm-hmm. not building uh, things necessarily. So, um, I think we have a lot of work to do. I'm I'm super encouraged. I'm really really encouraged. But I think it's going to be recovering uh, trusted voices that are within our tribe and helping them see the beauty of biblical leadership while also understanding
0: its dangers. Uh, that's awesome, Charles. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, you bet. We've been talking with Charles Smith, Vice President for Institutional Relations at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. If you like this topic and want to learn more, please visit us online for the church. It's ftc.co, ftc.co. You can search uh, categories for leadership and look for posts from Charles Smith and others on the topic. And as always, if you like the podcast, please share it with your friends. Review us on iTunes. Every little bit helps. And until next time, may Jesus be big in your church. You've been listening to the For the Church podcast, hosted by Jared Wilson, Managing Editor of For the Church, found online at ftc.co. This resource is brought to you by Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City, Missouri, where we train leaders for the church.